Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, May 29th, 2022, called The Start of Something New, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Good morning again, church. It's great to be here in front of you. You know, at the end of my intro, I said if, if the ascension was, if this was like a Hollywood movie, this would be the end of the movie, right? Where he goes up and the, the twinkle happens and then the credits start to roll. You know, that would be a satisfying ending to a movie. In fact, there's quite a few movies that have really satisfying endings. And we're going to talk about a few. First, let's go to the, the first slide for me. First picture. Oh, yeah. Right? The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. What a satisfying ending to that movie, right? They finally get the ring. And by the way, the three movies I go over, they're over 10 years old. If you haven't seen them, spoiler alert, I guess. But I thought I was safe with a 10-year gap at least, right? So at the end of this movie, they throw the ring into Mount Doom. Saruman's defeated. Sauron's defeated. And uh, finally, you see Aragorn take the throne. And then they, they, they come back to the Shire. Sam gets the girl. But then Frodo goes off with Gandalf and a few others on that ship across the sea. And you see that happen, and that's that satisfying conclusion to this long trial. Another movie, we just saw it this weekend. We, watched, we, we did a little movie night at our house, Babe, right? Anyone seen this movie? What, what a satisfying ending. I mean, you're cheering for Babe the whole time. He wants, he's going to be roast pork, but then you know, he starts herding sheep, and he becomes a sheep pig, and then they go to this competition, and the sheep won't listen to him, and the dogs run over, and they get the password. They come back, and Farmer Haggett's sitting there the whole time, and he watches it happen and closes in it. At the very end of the movie, what's the line? That'll do, pig. That'll do. What a satisfying conclusion. One more, one more, right? E.T., right? If you've seen this movie, the whole, there's this whole trial about E.T. comes here, his finger blinks, and he wants to go home, right? So he's calling home, and then finally at the end of the movie, after the government's trying to capture him, this ship flies in, and he walks up, and he waves, and he flies off into the distance, and there's a little twinkle. And the kid's sitting there smiling, and like a little tear, maybe. I don't remember that part. Uh, but... <laughs> But that's what it should be. If, if Spielberg needs advice, he can ask me. And then uh, there's a little twinkle in the credits roll, right? That's the end of E.T. But you know, there was a movie that came out that didn't have a very satisfying ending and that people were pretty upset about, actually, when it first came out. And it's this one. Anyone know that text? Yeah, yeah, Back to the Future. This is the first one. There are stories about when this movie came out. It's a cult classic now. We know, right? You know, all these different movies came out and it kind of has an ending. But when this movie first came out and Doc Brown comes back and, you know, we got to go back. And then they got in, they go back to the future again. Everyone was sitting in the movie theater when the 2B Continued came on and they waited. They were like, okay, I guess this movie is a long movie. I guess we're waiting. And then the credits rolled and people sat in the movie theater. And people actually had to, the ushers had to come back and kick people out of the movie theater. And everyone's like, that can't be the end. That can't be the end. That wasn't satisfying. What do you mean he's got to go back? What's going on? It wasn't a satisfying ending to a movie, but it was the start of something new, right? It became a trilogy and they're talking about even making a fourth one. So people weren't satisfied with the ending because it wasn't the end. It was the start of something new. But honestly, we, cra- we crave a satisfying ending, not just in that instance, just in life. We like a conclusion. We like to know when things are going to stop so we can finally move on 
to the next thing. So we get to here, Ascension Sunday, and the disciples, right, the, the whole story, this is a, a very quick summary, you should read it, it's really good, it's in the Bible, uh, but the, the whole, the kind of the culmination of everything is Jesus is born, and even before Jesus is born, right, Elizabeth meets him, and John, the Baptist, leaps in his mother's womb for joy, and then Jesus is born, and then we see a picture of him as an adolescent, but then when he comes into his own, and his ministry begins, you know, the 40 days in the wilderness, and then he starts to call the disciples, and the disciples, remember this, it's all recorded, right? They're, he's calling the disciples, they're walking alongside with him the whole time. They're learning from him, he's, he's teaching them, he's teaching directly, he's teaching by example. He's performing miracles, healings, he's even empowering the disciples to do the same. They get to go out and exercise demons and perform minor miracles like healings and things like that. And then they witness his crucifixion. And they get to witness and be a witness to his resurrection and the tomb is left empty. I'll get to that in a second. And then we get to the part where there's the ascension, right? And that's where we are today. And he's around for 40 days post his ascension, teaching them, making appearances. And then finally we see him go up into the sky, right? And then we see him as he's blessing them as he raises up into the clouds. The clouds will pass by and the twinkle happens. I'm assuming there's a twinkle, but he just disappears. And they go, okay. And they stand there and they're all looking up into heaven. And that's when the credits are supposed to roll. And they're waiting for the credits to roll as they stand there. What it says in the ESV, it's translated, gazing up into heaven. But that's not where it ends. Because see, as they're just kind of gawking, two angels clad in white, they say, what are you doing? Stop gazing up into heaven. Jesus is going to come back the same way that he ascended. And they're reminding him of that great promise. Because it's not the end. It's the start of something new. And as we go into this, the, the rest of this teaching today, oftentimes in our Christian walk or in our lives or sometimes when we stop in that Christian life, right, we tend to take these big moments, whether it's baptism, confirmation, uh, that, that major event we're building towards or a building project, we take that as our Christian life and we take that and once that's done, oh, good, I can move on to the next thing. You see, it's not about going towards the point where it's the end. It's always a start of something new. And I say this because um, your salvation, it's, it's assured. When Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. He won your life back for you, right? He has reconciled you with God. Your, your salvation is secured by his very own body and blood. But when he said it is finished, he never said, I'm finished with you. So he gave the disciples here a purpose. And as we go into this, right, at that end part, Luke 24, 49, right? This is Jesus saying and speaking here. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So at the beginning of something, Jesus is making sure that they are indeed prepared for this. And he does the same thing with you. He wants to make sure that you're prepared. This is a time to make sure you go prepared, a time of preparation, so how did Jesus prepare the disciples, and how does that look with us today? If you can go to the next slide for me. I have been in the market for a grill, right? And I've just had grilling on my mind, and maybe the Holy Spirit did this. We'll see how it works out, right? So this is pictures of two steaks, right? You can cook steak so many different ways. There's kind of four primary ways. If you look to the, my left, that's, that's called a reverse sear, 
on a steak, right? So the way this works is you actually take the steak and whether you bake it in the oven or on a low temperature, you know, and some of you guys are like grill pros, you're like, duh, you know, let me come up and explain it, but bear with me, right? You take the, the, the steak and you actually cook it so the whole thing is one consistent temperature, as you kind of see in that photo over there. It's all one consistent temperature, and then you take it and you put on something hot and you get the sear. You hear the sizzle, right? And you get that nice browning, that nice crust on there. I know we have a potluck coming, don't drool, right? But there's that delicious steak. You got it cooked consistently all the way through, and that takes time, right? You don't want to rush that, so you want a nice low temperature to get it all consistently kind of cooked and then put that sear on it. And I take this, and this is kind of how Jesus discipled the apostles in his time. Bear with me, right? So Jesus calls the disciples and spends time with them, spends years with them. And within those years, it's not like an eight-hour day and they go home. It's 24 hours a day. So Jesus spends time. He invests. He instructs. And as they spend time with Jesus, they continue to develop, right? They continue to learn about him and all the scriptures and how they kind of get this idea of how they relate to him. But he's going to hold that off to the end, right, as they continue to develop and continue to cook. And then finally... He opens their minds to how, what all the Scripture said about him. And then there's the day of Pentecost, right? And that's what he's talking about in this promise where the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And you know what that is? That's the seer, baby. That's the seer. That's the right? I've developed you. I've cooked you from the inside. I've continued to walk with you, teach you, develop you. And now I'm putting that seer on there. Another way to say it is I've sealed you. I've put my seal on you so you are now fit to serve. You know, if it was a steak, it's fit to be served, right? But you are now as disciples fit to serve as I've developed you. So that's a lot of, I mean, when Jesus is here, that's how it started. But there's another way to cook a steak, and it's not necessarily a bad way. In fact, when you go to most steakhouses, it's how they'll cook it for you. And it's the sear method, right? Where they get it on a pan and you hear, you hear the sear right when the steak hits the pan, whether it's an oil or a butter or something in there, and it gets sealed right away. And what we mean by sealed is it seals in the juices, right? That's what you get the sear on there for, and then you either continue to cook it another way or continue to sear it. And it's a great way to cook a steak, but it's a very easy way to make a very common mistake with it. And you could burn the outside and leave the inside, the center, raw. And that's kind of what you see over here in this picture, right? You got that nice browning on the outside, but then all of a sudden it's, it's cooked on that outer rim, but then the inside, it's all raw. It hasn't been fully cooked. It hasn't been developed. And the way that we're, that we're discipled today, it can be a good thing, right? You can get a good seer to start. Could be the baptism. Could be your baptism as an infant. God says, I put my name on you. I've put my seal on you. And then it could be confirmation, right? Maybe it's that later in life, another seal on there, another good seer. Maybe it's when you're an adult and you go through that Bible class, that life in Christ. You finish and you complete it. I got a good seer on there. But often we get that good seer and then we leave the center raw. You see, Jesus meant that to be the start of a journey, not the end of it. Baptism, confirmation, uh, life in Christ class, uh, completing a group study. Maybe it's just reading the Bible in its entirety for, for one time through. Jesus says that's the beginning of your journey. It's not the end. Yeah, it's a good seer. It's a good seal. But I have more I want to develop in you. I have more ways in which you can even be developed. And I say that because um, when we come to church, 
Church offers all those things, right? We get the good seer in our baptism, but then it even offers that continued development, right? That's why we meet together. We're called to meet together. It's why Jesus instituted the church. He said, hey, we did it one way, but I got another way for you guys. And some of you are going to go the reverse seer method. Some of you are going to go with the seer method first. But either way, Christ wants to be in relationship with us, to continue to develop us, continue to cook us, because he wants us fit to serve but not raw on the inside, not meant to make, make ourselves sick or others sick. He wants to continue that relationship with us. And that kind of brings us into the next point here, right? He's going to give you the seer, so the, the angels say this, stop standing around, stop gawking, stop gazing into heaven. They say this exactly. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Pop quiz, right? Jesus loves you, even if you don't know the answer. But pop quiz, when was the last time angels talked to the apostles or the disciples before this? Do we know where we're at? So within the story, at the tomb, I heard it over here, right? At the empty tomb, right? So there was his death, resurrection, at the empty tomb, and then there were the 40 days, and they speak to him again. So here... In the, at the empty tomb, the angels, they say this. As the disciples were there and they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men, they say men clothed in white, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? You see, there's this, it's one of the magnificent mercies of God that he continues to send messengers to proclaim his promises. Not proclaim, let me rephrase that. He sends messengers to repeat his promises. Promises he's declared to us numerous times already, but he continues to send messengers to repeat his promises to his people. I don't know if this is any of you, right? If you can go to the next slide for me. Right, So I have a consulting. We'll get to that in a second. This has probably never happened to you. But um, as a dance teacher, right? So as a dance teacher, what I always said is my job is to remind you 90% of things you already know and teach you 10% of something new. It sounds like a bad deal. You're like, what do you mean I'm paying you this much to remind me 90% of the time? Well, in a dance lesson, here's how it works, right? I'm teaching you and it's like, all right, well, keep your feet on the floor and remember to close your feet as you bring them together. Then the next day. Okay, remember to keep your feet on the floor, and as you bring your feet together, remember to close them. All right, let me say it a different way. Uh, put your feet, try and imagine you're dancing your feet into the floor so they can't be lifted from the floor. And then continue to close your feet together and squeeze them, right? No matter what I say, no matter what I do, that's probably the most common problem. People just can't seem to get it. So what, what we would do is we had these coaches that came in. We're talking national champions in their craft and in a specific dance or even world qualifying champions in ballroom dance. So they would come in and you, you got to pay them boatloads of money to come in. And you know what they come in and they tell these students? Keep your feet on the floor and remember to close your feet. But, and it's the same words even. But then, then this happens. <sighs> I've never heard that before. That's amazing. You fundamentally changed me and my dancing forever. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing the Jonathan over there, right? I'm sitting there. I'm rubbing my head. I'm like, oh. Uh, it's, it, how could I've said this so many ways, so many times, 
for over the course of months, and you still can't get it. It's like the information goes here to your ear and just falls down. Yet, it took one messenger, one different person other than me, to say it however differently. Maybe it's just the way he looked. Maybe it was his European accent, right? That all of a sudden, now I'm listening. Now I get it. Even though it's the same thing you've been telling me time and time again. I'm sure that's never happened to you, right? As a teacher, if you're a teacher, that's never happened to you. You've never repeated the same thing over and over and over again. And for some reason, they just don't seem to get it. If you're a manager or a boss, so you own your own company, I'm sure that's never happened to you. Where you've said the same thing over and over and over again and, pe- and, and your employees can't seem to get it. If you're a parent... I'm sure that's never happened to you. I've never heard about this in parenting, right? Where you say the same thing over and over and over again, and you try different ways over and over and over again, and it just seems like it hits a wall and falls down. They just don't seem to get it. And you know, when you see this, I have the importance of a consultant up here. Like that coach, somehow they did something different, and that same message got through, and they understood it. That's why you pay the big bucks. They don't tell you anything you don't already know, but somehow they get you to understand it, right? And uh, next week, actually, we have a consultant coming here to Grace. And this consultant's going to sit and worship. You'll probably get to visit or, or meet him. But he'll watch our worship. He'll give us workshops, certain things there, because there are certain things that we know that we're not perfect at. But you know what? He'll tell us a lot of things that we already know. Yet somehow, he'll help us understand it, right? And it's an important thing to continue to grow and to continue to develop, And I say this, God is gracious enough to continue to send messengers that repeat his promises, yet somehow helps us understand them. If you can go to the next slide for me, right? In here, the word is angel, right? They send angels clad in white. Look at this, Jonathan and I are in white today. It's like it played into my sermon uh, because of God, not me. But um, I say this because I'm not an angel. (laughs) I'm not an angel the way you think an angel is, right? But the word angel, right, if you take it in the Greek, the word Greek there is angelos, and what it really means translated is messenger. That word is translated more accurately as uh, messenger, one that announces. So see, God at that time is sending messengers to his people to remind them of the promises he's already proclaimed. He does this all the time through the Old Testament. We see it time and time again. We also see it with prophets in the Old Testament, a very similar translation there. They're not saying anything new. They're repeating the promises of God, right? Same thing here. Messengers aren't saying anything new. These angels, they're repeating the promises of God. If I were to give our job one job description right over here between Jonathan and I, what do you think it would be? You know, if church was like a business, what, what a, you could say what a crummy business model it would be, right? We're not doing anything new. We're repeating stuff for the past 2,000 years, right? But that's what my job is. It's, it's not to do anything new, simply to repeat the promises of of God. Maybe in certain ways, maybe it involves movie clips, maybe it involves steak, somehow so that promise goes in rather than down. Oh, you know, the steak is somehow how I get discipleship works and why I should study God's word. God wants to cook me from the inside. If that worked, great. If it was sounded weird, that's okay too. Right? But the idea is this. Messengers from God, and right now Jonathan and I can kind of we stand here in this stead to repeat those promises, but there are people in your lives that do that for you, whether they're mentors, whether they're parents, they get to repeat 
that message to you, people in your life. Maybe it's your, your church group leader. Maybe you're in a small group and you're watching, uh, I don't know, it's Timothy Keller on a DVD and you're doing it in a group and he says something and it's like, oh, that's what that means. You should, you've had those moments, right? That's what that means. Now I get it. And as a church, we get that great gift of why we're here and why Christ even instituted the church to help that development from the inside, to be those messengers that just repeat the promise. So maybe it's the one time, oh, now I get it. You know, we had all these graduations this past week, and uh, Principal Krause, right, Hannah Krause, if you know her, great. If not, you should meet her. She's wonderful. She's the principal of our high school. And we had a staff meeting, and she said something that, that really hit me and impacted me really well, and it was this statement. In the moment where kids have to make tough choices, they will hear the voices of the people who inspire them. Right? When a student is faced or a, when they leave this place, whether they've graduated, whether they went through middle school here, whether they go through kindergarten or elementary, and they find themselves somewhere else, they will, when faced with a tough choice, they will hear the voices of the people who inspired them. And kind of the moment here is we, we have this great gift to make this point who inspires you, and what message are they communicating to you? Who's, whose voice is the one that you hear when you're faced with a choice? Jesus wants it to be his, of course. That's why he wants to develop you. It's why he doesn't want you raw on the inside. And then the flip side of that coin is this, because I guarantee every single person in here has this relationship. Who is the one that's listening to your voice? Who is the one that is inspired by you? And what is that message that you get to communicate? And that's why Jesus says, I want you to have that seer. I want you to wait on that promise from God when I will put my seal upon you because I still want you to develop and I still want you in relationship with me. And brings us to our final point, which guess what? It was the first point. It's not the end. It's the start of something new. This is why ascension is so important. I know it used to be a festival that was widely celebrated in the church, but often it doesn't fall on a Sunday, right? I think this week it was a Wednesday, Tuesday, somewhere in midweek, right? And uh, we're here on Sunday and we're celebrating ascension and we're telling you about ascension. It should be a huge part because it's not just the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. The ascension of Jesus is crucial in that whole complete picture of his ministry. And this is why it's important. It's John 14, right over here, verses 1 through 4. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you will know the way to where I am going. So that promise that the angel said, hey, why are you gazing in the heaven? He said he would come back, and he said that he would take you with him. They're just repeating the promise of Jesus in that moment, right? He's returning to his rightful place at the right hand of God, but he's going ahead. And what a great gift to prepare a place for you. It may seem like common sense, but he can't leave to go prepare a place for you if he doesn't leave. And he can't come back if he doesn't leave. 
I know, that's not like a huge, epic, monumental theological point, but it's important. If he doesn't leave, he can't come back. And if he doesn't do that, he can't fulfill this great promise that he's going ahead to prepare a place for us. And that's why we get to celebrate Ascension. That's why Ascension's so important, right? It's that whole complete part of his entire ministry here, not just on earth, but also in heaven as he continues it. Jesus ascended to his glory and promised to prepare a place for us. So ascension is really that major culminating piece, the completion of that work. But you know what? It's the end of Back to the Future, right? It may be the completion of that work, but it's not the end. It's just the beginning. It's the start of something new. And ascension is that great gift of not an ending, but a new beginning. And to him be the glory who created that end and beginning for us now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.